Welcome to the Northwood Baptist Church Podcast. I'm Tommy Metter, lead pastor of Northwood Baptist Church in North Charleston, South Carolina. Hey, if you're listening today, I know exactly what you need. You need hope and encouragement. And my prayer is that the message you are about to hear will help you find hope and encouragement in a relationship with Jesus Christ. If you'd like to learn more about our church, visit our website, northwoodbaptist.com, or follow us on Facebook. Now, get ready for a message that will help you connect faith to life. All right, let me invite you to take your Bible and turn to Luke chapter 18. Luke 18, verses 18 through 23. We're going to read that together in just a moment. Luke 18, 18 through 23. We were in Luke's gospel last week as we looked at uh, this character quality of Christ through the Spirit, kindness, and now we're talking about goodness, and we're in Luke's gospel again. Luke 18, 18 through 23. If you're new to the Bible, good news for you is Luke is not hard to find at all. Just go to the first book in the New Testament, Matthew, and go Matthew, Mark, Luke, third book in the New Testament. Uh, you'll, You'll join us there in Luke chapter 18. If you don't own a Bible, that's okay because in the seat before you, you should find a copy of the Bible and you can take that Bible and find Luke's gospel with us. And if you don't own a Bible, take that Bible home with you, begin to read it and learn about the God who loves you and desires a relationship with you. I I don't know who brought the gift of raid and the uh, wasp swatter this morning, but I I thank you for being concerned about my protection. So if I need to use that, I will. We did have an, if you were here last Sunday, you know, it was quite a fiasco. Uh, We did have um, exterminator come out and sprayed, but I don't think did a very good job because I've already seen them flying around this morning. Apparently, apparently uh, uh, they're on the roof and the exterminator was, I guess, too chicken to get on the roof to take care of it. So I don't know, maybe some of you in here wouldn't mind going on our roof and taking care of the problem. I don't know, maybe some of you like roofs and you got, you can get up there. Listen, I'll give you a dollar. Somebody help me out, right? So if you, if you, if you need an extra buck, I'll got that extra buck for you, but we got to get these things going. Luke 18, verses 18 through 23. One of the things I appreciate about our church is the, the way you guys uh, uh, just do an outstanding job of connecting with one another. Uh, many of you in this room, you're a part of a life connection group. And, and in your life connection group, you, you study the Bible well every Sunday morning, but you also minister to each other just very well. I'm always impressed by the way uh, this church just reaches out to each other when there's times of need or, or just gets together for, for fellowship and fun and all those kinds of things. And, and so, so last Saturday, I got an invitation to uh, attend one of our Life Connection groups. They had a, a get-together, one of those, you know, come together, let's eat and have fun together. And so they invited uh, me and Stacy to come and be a part of that. And, and so, so, I mean, I don't turn down a free meal, and you probably don't either, so we were glad to go. And, and so, so our Saturdays for the last month or so have been rather chaotic because both of our boys are playing basketball, and their games are on Saturday. And so usually for us on Saturday, we're at the basketball court 9.30 in the morning until the end of the day because uh, they play multiple games during the day. And so it might be, you know, 3.30, 4.30, able to leave the basketball court. So we've been in the basketball court all day long. And so my parents were here last weekend, which was very helpful. So they took the boys home and Stacy and I were able to go to this Life Connection group gathering uh, on our own. And so it's one of those kinds of gatherings where, you know, you're supposed to, to bring something with you. Well, we've been to basketball court all day long, so we don't have time to cook anything or whatever the case may be. So I stopped by Walmart on the way and uh, got Bluebell ice cream because who doesn't like Bluebell ice cream? And got the, the king cake flavor and the cookies and cream flavor. 
took it on the house and got there. And, and it was, if, if you're a part of a Life Connection group or if you've ever been a part of a Baptist church meal, you know how it works. I mean, there's this, this big spread of food and the, the theme for the night was, was chili. And so there was a, a chicken chili, there was a white chili, there was a, you know, a, a venison chili. I'm not a big deer fan, but it was covered up enough where it was pretty good. And so, so all these chilies and there was like a buffalo chicken dip and, and you know how it goes. Just everywhere you look, there was food and it was all good looking food. And then there was the dessert table and all the different desserts. And man, it was an exciting night because whenever you get that kind of free meal, you know it's going to be a good night. And so, so I, I got my plate, got my bowl, and I'm walking down uh, the, the, the spread, getting my, my stuff that I'm looking forward to eating. And at the end of the serving line, there it was. This, this, this big bowl of Brussels sprouts. All right, let's just be honest. I'm not going to name any names as to who brought this, but that's a sick individual <laughs> who would bring Brussels sprouts to a party. I mean, who thinks when they're invited to a party, I know what I'll bring? Brussels sprouts. I mean, I mean who does that? So, so anyway... Obviously, I skipped right over the Brussels sprouts because I'm at a party. I'm not going to eat Brussels sprouts at a party. So I skipped over the Brussels sprouts and I, and I sit down. And, but, 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 but when I had gotten that bowl, what I noticed was like the bowl was already half empty. Like everybody was getting Brussels sprouts, which is, which is, this is a party, people. You can tell it's an old person's party, right? I mean, everybody getting their Brussels sprouts, I'm sorry. But anyway, so, so, so I sit down, I got my plate and I've got no Brussels sprouts in my plate. And, 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 and so, so I'm sitting there and, and everybody like starts talking. And they're not talking about the chili, although it was great, or the, the desserts or whatever. They're talking about the Brussels sprouts and how great these Brussels sprouts are. I'm like, this is a twilight zone. I mean, I don't, I don't understand this, but everybody's just raving about how these Brussels sprouts have been cooked. I mean, I don't know what they've been cooked in, garlic and butter, and I have no idea. So I had to try them. Because everybody's talking about how good these Brussels sprouts are and how amazing they are. And so I, I went back to the serving line and I put a couple of Brussels sprouts on my plate and I sat back down and, and I did it. I put one in my mouth. And I was amazed. I was amazed at how bad it was. <laughs> like, it was terrible. I, I still don't understand. And I mean, you know, my, my general rule, if it smells like a foot, I don't eat it. And and. It's, and just kind of confirmed to keep living that way. But, but, but here's the deal, right? No matter how you dress up a Brussels sprout, it is still a, dr- a Brussels sprout. Ain't nothing good about it. I'll tell you that and tell you this. We live in a world where things are dressed up. You're dressed up. You came this morning, you put your, your best face on and you came to this place to worship. We live in a, a world that's dressed up and that, that talks about how good things are. And, and, and there's lots of good things in life. Let, let's just be honest. And, but let's, let's be honest as well. We live in a dressed up world. Because you know that as dressed up as this world might be, at the core, at the core there's a problem with this world. This world's broken. It's evil. And you can dress things up as much as you want to dress things up, but it doesn't change the fact that we live in an evil and broken world. And in this evil and broken world that we live in, the God of all creation calls us, now watch this, calls us to be good. It's an interesting word, isn't it? Good. And, and that's a word you and I are familiar with. We, we use a lot, but, but here we are. We're looking at the fruit of the Spirit. And when you think about the fruit of the Spirit, Paul says, now, here are the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, 
goodness, faithfulness, self-control, gentleness, goodness. Let's just be honest, that, that's not something we talk about a lot. I, I imagine that for many of you, you can't remember the last time you heard a preacher like me give a message on this idea of goodness. But it's so critical in our development with, with Jesus and our walk with him. And so, so I want to do this. Before we dive into the text and, and talk about this idea of goodness from the passage we're looking at this morning, I want to lay a definition on the table for you, okay? Here's, here's, here's what goodness is. Goodness is moral purity and excellence. That when you think about goodness in, in the Bible, it's, it's, it's moral purity. It's what's right. It's what's good. It's moral purity and excellence worthy of approval. You know how this works. When, when you see something that's good, you say, man, that's good. It's worthy of approval. A good person does what is right because of who they are in Jesus. That's goodness. Goodness is who you are and what you do. And so, so, so here's the question for us, is are we really good? If you were to look at your own life this morning and ask yourself the question, am I good, how would you answer? And so, so how do we, as followers of Jesus, how do we grow in goodness? How do we become people of goodness? I, I want to show you this passage this morning. It's, it's probably a familiar story for many of you. And, and as we look at this passage this morning, what, what I want to show you, I want to show you just two simple truths, two simple truths that I think will help you and help me grow in goodness. So take your Bibles, Luke chapter 18, verses 18 through 23. When you find that passage, go ahead and rise to your feet as we honor the reading of God's word together. Luke 18, verses 18 through 23. A ruler asked him, good teacher, What must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus asked him. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. I've kept all these from my youth, he said. When Jesus heard this, he told him, you still lack one thing. Sell all you have and distribute it to the poor and you will come and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come Follow me. After he heard this, he became extremely sad because he was very rich. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this morning and thank you for time together in your word. Thank you, Father, for the opportunity uh, just to, to grow together, to encourage one another, to be instructed by your spirit in these moments. And Father, we're trusting that your spirit is going to minister to us this morning and speak to us. And, and Father, whether we realize or not, whether we think about it much or not, we, we, we do. We need to grow in goodness and so help us this morning to understand what it means to be good and to live good lives for your glory and for your honor father as you speak to us this morning we're going to listen we're going to listen carefully we're not going to allow ourselves to be distracted uh, by things that might be going on around us or what's going to happen next week or where we're going for lunch afterwards we're going to give this time to you we're going to focus in we're going to listen to your voice and we're going to obey your voice. We're going to trust you by faith. And we're going to surrender our lives to you this morning. And we're going to do it in the name of Jesus. Amen. You can have a seat. So if you were here last week, if you listened to the message online or whatever, you, you know that we talked about another rich young man. We talked about Zacchaeus and the wealth that Zacchaeus had. And how in all his wealth, he was ultimately empty. Now, we're back in Luke's gospel, and this particular story comes before the story of of Zacchaeus. And again, we're talking about a rich young man. A rich man, much like Zacchaeus was a rich man. Now, now when you read the, the other gospels and they give the account of this story, we find out, right, that he was a rich man. 
He was a young man, and he was a ruler. If you think about it, he's got it going on. This is the kind of guy you want to be. In fact, if you lived in this culture, in this town, in this time, you know it. Everybody wanted to be like this guy. And I bet you the other young men that were around this area, they, they probably oftentimes were envious of this man because after all, he was young. To be young and rich, we don't know how he came into his money. Uh, the Bible doesn't tell us. Maybe he inherited it. Maybe he was just a hard worker. We, we just don't know. He was rich. He was young. His whole life was before him. And, and because of the wealth he had, all kinds of doors were open for him. But not only was he rich and young, he was a ruler. Now, we don't know exactly what, what, what Luke has in mind or the other gospel writers when we find out that he was a ruler, but he had influence. And there are some Bible scholars who, who think that maybe he was a member of the Sanhedrin, a spiritual leader, a religious leader, someone that people look to for, for spiritual answers. Just think about the influence and the power and the wealth. And again, he's young. His, his whole life is before him. What I find interesting about the story, though, is when, when Luke tells us about this man, he doesn't give us his name. And I don't know why that is. I mean, it could be that Luke just didn't know his name. I mean, we know that Zacchaeus' name. Luke gives us the name of Zacchaeus, another rich man, but doesn't give us the name of, of this rich man. And, and maybe Luke didn't know it. I mean, I, I don't know, but m- m- maybe, and I'm, I'm speculating here, maybe the reason why Luke doesn't give us this man's name is because he didn't want to bring shame on this man. Shame on him and shame on his family. Because as we look at the story together, what, what you're going to see, and well, what I see is that this is a rather shameful story. Here you have this rich, young ruler. Now, I don't know how he knew about Jesus. Maybe he had heard Jesus teach somewhere before. And, 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 and when he thought about Jesus, he thought, man, here's, here's a man who has wisdom. Here's a man I can learn something from. Here's a man who doesn't teach and minister quite like everyone else. And, and so he, he had a question. Because while this rich, young ruler had everything going for him, there's a question that, that nagged at his heart. Was he good? Was he good with God? Did he have eternal life to look forward to? Because while his, his wealth gave him lots of doors of opportunity, and, and while his position in that culture gave him lots of, of influence over others, his wealth and his influence, and nor his youthfulness, gave him the security that his heart longed for. And so he comes to Jesus and he makes a statement. Good teacher, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And as soon as he asks Jesus that question, Jesus stops him dead in his track. Good? Do you know what you're saying? Why would you call me good? Because there's no one good except God alone. Now, I know that sounds a little bit weird because we know something that the rich young ruler doesn't know. We know who Jesus is. We know that Jesus is God. But the rich young ruler, all he knows at this point in the story, and maybe all he ever knew, 
was that Jesus was a, a teacher, a rabbi, a wise man, if you will. He didn't know that he was standing in the presence of God. And so, so Jesus says to the rich young ruler, do, do, you, do you understand what you're calling me? Because if you're calling me good, then you're calling me God. Because there's only one who is good, and it's God himself. And that's interesting, isn't it? Because you and I, we throw that word good around all the time. All the time. I, mean, I say it all the time. You, you've probably had someone ask you a question. How you doing today? And you say what? I'm good. How's life going? Well, all is good. Or you look at somebody who's done something good and you say, man, that's such a, a good person. He's such a, he's such a good man. And, or whatever the case may be. But, but Jesus is very clear. That there is only one who is good, and it's God himself. Now, now when Jesus says that God is good, I mean, we, we understand that. You know that. You know that God is good. It, it's his very nature. It's his character. And when we say that, that God is good and that he is the only one who is good, what we mean by that is that he is the standard for goodness. That, that when you think about goodness— God himself is the very definition of goodness. He is all that is right. He's never done any wrong, nor will he ever do wrong. He is all that is holy and perfect. God has never made a mistake. He has never sinned. And he will never make a mistake. And he will never sin. In his essence, in his character, this is who God is. He is good. Everything about him is good. He is the standard of goodness. When you want to know what good is, you look to God because he's it. God is good in who he is, but now watch this. God is also good in what he does. So his character is good, right? And his actions are good. He's been good to you. And you know this because because there are times, right, when it doesn't seem like God is so good. When you go through difficulties and trials and struggles and you you look to God and you say, what's going on? If you were such a good God, why would you allow this to happen to me? But deep down, you know the truth. Especially if you're a follower of Jesus, you've learned the truth. That everything God does is for his glory and your good. He's a good God who is at work in your life for his glory and his good and for your good. That he does good, and, and life stinks sometimes, life is hard sometimes, but, but God is at work to bring about his good plan. So he is good, that's his character, but it's also what he does. He is good. He acts with goodness toward you. And it's why we can say that, that statement that so many of you are familiar with, right, where we say, God is good when? All the time, and all the time, God is good. There's never a moment that God is not good, and there's never a moment that God does not act with goodness towards you. You understand? He's good. No wonder Jesus says to the rich young ruler, only God is good. You don't know what you're talking about. You don't get it. You throw that word around, and, and you just don't understand. 
some of you know because I've told you that, that Hudson for a long time, his, his life ambition was to be Batman, which is a pretty big goal, right? I mean, that's what he wanted to be when he grew up was Batman. So he's getting older, so, so dreams change and goals change and all that, and he's sick. So he's, you know, trying to figure out what he wants to do with his life because he needs a job. I mean, we all need jobs. And, and so, so last week we were uh, in the car, and he said, Daddy, when I grow up, I want to be a preacher, right? Man, that's really awesome. I mean, you want to take after daddy. That's, a, that's better than Batman. And so, so, right, so, so, so we had a conversation about what it means to be a preacher. And I said, well, buddy, you got to get on stage every Sunday and talk. Can you do that? I mean, that, you might have stage fright. Can you handle it? He said, yeah, I can do that, daddy. I can do that. And I said, you know, you'll have to, you know, counsel people sometimes. And you, you share the gospel a lot. And, and there's all kinds of things. He said, you, you understand? And he said, yeah, daddy, daddy, I, I want to do that. I want to do that. And then, and then he said, and after a few minutes, he said, daddy, can I have your office? <laughs> my office? What? I mean, he's got his eyes on my job. <laughs> so, so, you know, if you don't like my preaching, just give it some time. Hudson's going to take over, apparently, and he's got it all figured out. But I'll tell you that because you know this. I mean, he's six. He has this idea in mind. I want to be, but he doesn't understand what being a preacher is. Just like any child, no matter what their career ambitions might be, they don't really understand what it means to have a career and to do all those things. It's just, they just don't get it. And this is the rich young ruler. He uses the word, but he doesn't understand the word. And so Jesus makes it abundantly clear what the word means. There's only one who is good, and it's God. But, But then it gets really interesting. Did you see what happens? The rich young ruler comes to Jesus with a question. Good teacher, what do I need to do to have eternal life? How can I know I have it? Because that's the nagging question of his heart. How can I know I'm good with God? And it's interesting. Look what the text says. This is fascinating to me. You come down and you, you read what, he, what Jesus says in, in verse 20. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. Do, do you see what Jesus essentially says to the rich young ruler? The rich young ruler comes to Jesus with a question. Tell me, eternal life, how do I know I have it? What do I have to do to be good with God? And then Jesus says, and this is so interesting. Jesus says, what are you talking about? There's only one who is good, it's God. And then Jesus looks at the rich young ruler and he says, essentially he says this, if you want to have eternal life, do you know what you need to do? You need to be good. And that's the problem. None of us can do that. Be good. Keep all the commands. Honor your father and your mother. Don't commit adultery. Don't lie. Don't steal. Don't you know? You've been taught these things since you, since you're, you were a child. And, and, and then the rich young ruler, he thinks it over for a moment. He looks at Jesus. I've got that. I'm good. I've, I've, I've been keeping those commands since I was a youth. I've honored my father and my mother. I haven't murdered anyone, right? I I haven't cheated on my wife. I I haven't done any of those things. I I haven't stolen a car. I mean, I'm I'm good. I've gained it. I've gained eternal life. That's what you're saying, right, Jesus? And again, the rich young ruler doesn't know what he's saying. Because he can see the surface. He can see the external. And and I think, right, I think what the rich young ruler was doing in this moment was he was confusing morality with real goodness. Because all of us can be moral. In fact, I I think that I'm probably in a room with a lot of moral people. 
I mean, it, I, I don't raise your hand if you have, but how many of you have murdered somebody, right? I don't, I don't know if you've stolen a car or not. What, I mean, I think I'm in a room with a bunch of moral people. But being moral isn't being good. But the rich young ruler, he looks at Jesus and says, I'm good. I'm, I've done it. And then Jesus says to him, oh, yeah? One more thing. Go do this. You're rich. Go sell all your possessions and give them to the poor. Come back to me and follow me and then you will find treasure in heaven. What? Do you know how much I have? So all my possessions? Are you serious? And, and this sombering verse here in Scripture that's mind-boggling to me. The rich young ruler walked away sad. It's interesting to me because when you read the New Testament, especially in the Gospels, and you read about encounters that people have with Jesus, now watch this. There aren't many people who leave the presence of Jesus sad. Do you see? Zacchaeus was a rich man. When he was in the presence of Jesus, there was joy. It changed his life. But this rich young ruler walks away sad. Why? He thought he was good, but Jesus had done something. He exposed the reality in this rich young ruler that he was not as good as he thought he was. You said you kept all the commandments? You can't even keep the first command. You shall have no other gods before me. Go sell your stuff. When that rich young ruler was unwilling to sell his stuff, he showed Jesus and he shows us that he had already chosen his God. And his God was not the God of all creation, the good God who loves us. His God was his money. You're not that good. Can I tell you something this morning? And and I know that this might not be the most encouraging thing that you've ever heard me say, but you're not as good as you think you are. Right? Right? This is the reality for all of us. We look around and we say, man, he's a good person and she's a good person and I think I'm a good person. We're good people. But the reality is when you, when you compare your life to the God of all creation who is perfect in every way, the one who is the essence of goodness, you know what you find out real quickly? You're not as good as you think you are. In fact, in Romans chapter one, when Paul writes to the church at Rome, he says what? Every single one of us are like the rich young ruler. We're all idolaters. We all worship other gods. And and Paul would go on to say what? There's none righteous. None of us are good. We we all do evil. Paul would go on to say in Romans 3.23, a verse that many of you know well, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There are none of us in this room, and I hate to burst your bubble, there are none of us in this room who are good. You know what that means? Watch. God is not impressed by your goodness. Because what you and I want to do is we want to stand before God and say, look at me. I'm a moral person. I've, I've kept the commands. I've, I've never cheated on my wife. And I've always, you know, worked hard. I'm, I'm not lazy. And, I, you know, I've, I've tried to do the right thing. Doesn't that count for something? And God looks back and says, you know what? Not impressed. Because in Isaiah chapter 64, the prophet speaks and says that all of your good stuff, 
It's like a bunch of filthy rags. That even your good is tainted by sin. At the core of who you are, at the core of who I am, we are all sinners, selfish, at war with God. He's not impressed by your goodness. And, and I, don't know, I don't know if you know this or not, but, but God is not hoping you'll get it right. I mean, he's not looking down from his throne and, and looking at your life and saying, yeah, I know he's a mess right now and I, and I know she's a mess right now. I, I know that right now they're not good, but, but just give them some time and they'll figure it out. Give them some time and, and they'll become good. God is not hoping you're going to get it right someday because you ain't going to. You see what I'm saying? I know this might be a little bit discouraging for you, but this is the truth. This is core to our faith. This is what we believe that the scripture clearly teaches us, that that none of us are good. There is only one who is good, and it's God himself. I I don't know if you saw this in the news this past week. There was um, uh, a lawyer who was having this trial with a judge and pleading somebody's case and all this kind of stuff. And, and because of the COVID world we live in, right, you can't go to court, so everything has to be done on Zoom. So I don't even know how that works, but they have this trial via Zoom. Well, the, the lawyer, and you might have seen this, it's, it's, it's hilarious. So the, the lawyer, he was using his secretary's laptop because I don't know where his was, who, who knows, but, but his secretary had a child who had been on Zoom earlier doing their virtual school thing or whatever we do nowadays. And so, so you had that going on. And so, so when the lawyer got on Zoom and got into the virtual courtroom, one of those filters was on. And so when the judge looked at the lawyer, what he saw was a cat, like a cat. Like so, so and, and, and you can go back and watch the video. Like it's gone viral. It's, it's, just, it's, 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 it's really funny. And so you see this lawyer there and he's got the cat mouth moving and he's, it sounds so much like a lawyer. And, and, and he's like, and the judge is like, you know, you look like a cat, right? And he's like, I know I look like a cat, but I don't know how to change this thing. I don't know how to figure out the settings. And so he's going through this law proceeding as a cat. And at one point in the, in the, 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 the proceeding, the, the lawyer says to him, he says, judge, I'm not a cat. And the judge says, I, I know you're not a cat. There's going to come a day that you stand before the judge and you think you're good right now. You think you're moral. You've made good choices. You haven't murdered. You haven't stolen. You're good. And so therefore, you must be good with God. But you're going to stand before God someday. And you're going to see him for who he is. The one who is good, perfect in every way, absolutely holy, high and lifted up, seated on the throne. And you know what you're going to say? I'm not good. Judge, I'm not good. You know what he's going to say to you? You're right. But, 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 for those of us who are followers of Jesus, who've given our lives to him, you know what he's going to say to us? Because of who you are in Christ, you are good. Isn't that good? Yeah. No, let me show you, because this is where the, this text gets interesting. So, so two simple truths, right? You're not as good as you think you are, but let me show you the second truth. Jesus, and I, I wanted to do this, but I know it's not good, good English. Jesus is gooder than you think he is, right? I know we can't do that. So Jesus is better than you think he is. Look, look, this is good, and we're going to run out of time, but you've got nowhere to go. It's a rainy Sunday, right? Look at what it says. You come down, look at what it says. Young man, he walked away sad. Verse 24, seeing that he became sad, Jesus said, 
How hard is it for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God? For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And those who are staying around, they're, they're, really? Then, then, then who can be saved? And so you hear what Jesus says. And I, I think, and the Bible doesn't say this, but I think when this rich young ruler walks away sad, Jesus is sad too. Because he came for people like this rich young ruler. And this rich young ruler had just rejected the greatest invitation ever to continue to pursue his God wealth. And as Jesus walks him, watches him walk away, he says, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter heaven. Now, we could spend time, which we're not going to, talking about what it means that a camel goes through the eye of a needle and what was going on there, but, but that's not the point. And, and if you think about it, it probably isn't really the point either that, you know, rich people can't get to heaven. Because Jesus could have said really anything. He could have said, man, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a gossiper to get into heaven or for an adulterer, or for a lazy bum, for whatever the case may be. There's all kinds of sins he could have pointed out because one sin, you know this, I don't have to tell you this, one sin, one sin condemns you to an eternity apart from God. One sin. Yet we have sinned a multitude of times. And everybody there, Jesus, really? Then it's impossible If that's the standard, then no one can be saved. And then you have this familiar, beautiful verse. You might want to underline in your Bible, verse 27. Jesus replied, what is impossible with man is possible with God. It's impossible. It's impossible for you to be good enough to gain eternal life. It's impossible for you to be good. Because by your nature, as much as you dress yourself up, you're not. I'm not. Our nature is not good. Our nature is bent against God. But Jesus came to do the impossible. He made the impossible possible by being good for you. He came and lived on this earth and and did what you could not do. He lived a perfect life, never sinned perfect in every way, pure and holy. And then he went to a cross and died. Listen, I know we talk about this every single Sunday, but but think about this because because I'm convinced that, that if you will understand this, it will change your perspective of goodness and what it means to walk in goodness. On the cross, an exchange took place. Jesus took your sin, all of your evil, all of your bad, all of your wickedness. He took it upon himself. And he suffered the punishment that you and I deserve. He took the penalty for our sin. And in exchange for your sin, he gave you his goodness. You're good. I just told you you weren't good. But you are good. You follow? If you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ, and I know you still sin, I know I still sin, I know we still mess up, but if you place your faith in Jesus, believing that he died in your place and then three days later rose from the dead for you, your position before God, when you stand before the King of kings and Lord of lords, he looks at you and he says, you're good. You ain't. You're not. I'm not. But he's given us a gift. 
the goodness of Jesus Christ covers your life. You're not good. But God has made you good through Christ Jesus. Goodness is who you are as a follower of Jesus. It's not your nature. Your nature is evil. But it's your identity before Christ. You're good. You see, Jesus is far better than you think. He is. He is the one who came to do what you could not do for yourself. And he is the one who has given you a gift that no one else could ever give you. The gift of goodness and righteousness. So, so here's the question. I've got three or four minutes. Just come on, buckle your seatbelts. Here we go. How then do I grow in this? Because it's a fruit of the Spirit. It's a character quality of Christ. Now that I've experienced the goodness of Jesus, now that he's made me good as a follower of his, how do I grow in goodness? How do I radiate the goodness of Jesus? Well, it's real simple. And we're not gonna spend a lot of time here and, and you're gonna need to think about this on your own when we leave here, but it's real simple. How do I grow in goodness? When you gotta choose Jesus, right? Sunday school answer. But it's so true that, that you cannot be good apart from Jesus. And so for some of you in this room, that means today for the very first time, you need to make a decision to give your life to the one who will make you good and give you the guarantee of life abundant and eternal. It's faith. Trusting that he did for you what you could not do for yourself. He died and rose again for you. You need to choose Jesus. But, but, but for those of us who are followers of Jesus, it's, it's choosing Jesus not only in a moment. I mean, that's part of it to choose Jesus in a moment like this. But for us as followers of Jesus, we know this, that it's choosing Jesus when? Every single day. That's it. That's how you grow in goodness is that you're constantly choosing to what? To immerse yourself in him. And you're constantly examining your own life. Now, now I, I know that we talk about this all the time, but, but come on, come in close. I, I want to make sure you understand what I'm talking about. You have passages, don't you? Like Colossians chapter three, where, where Paul writes and he says what? Set your mind on things above. Or, or Romans 12, one and two, where, where Paul says what? Be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Or Philippians 4, eight, where Paul says things like this. Let your mind think on things like this, things that are, good and holy and and pure. You see? It's immersion. And here's the problem. You know this, don't you? Here's why you and I fail to grow in goodness. Do you know why? Because we're constantly immersing ourselves in things that are against God. We're constantly immersing our things in evil and wicked and, and things that we know pollute our hearts and pollute our souls. And then we wonder, why do I sin? Why do I mess up? Why do I disobey God? Well, because you're constantly immersing yourself in the wrong thing. But when you begin to immerse yourself in the right things, you're awake, right? When you begin to immerse yourself in the right things, spending time with the Lord, thinking on his goodness to you, being a part of a local fellowship like this and and involving yourself in the work of his people, when you begin to dwell on those things and live in those things, he changes your desires and then you choose goodness. You choose the right thing. You see what I'm saying? But that requires also a constant examination. And here's what I mean by that. What is it right now in your life that, that is in opposition to God? Here's what I continue to be convinced of. That we do not take our own sin seriously enough. You see? I know you want to grow. 
I know you want to be that person that God wants you to be, but, but I also know this about you because I know it's true about me. I want to be who God wants me to be, but I don't want to deal with my sin because I like it. I don't want real change. I want just enough change to feel good about life. But, but that's not goodness. Goodness is knowing that I need to be captivated by the spirit of God himself and I need to let go of anything that opposes who God is and his nature and character. It's constant examination, which leads to a constant confession. Because here's what I know. Come on, here's what I know about you. For some of you in this room, it's been a long time since you've gotten before God and you've been honest about who you are and your sin before him. It's been a long time since you've confessed, Lord, I I struggle with gossip, I struggle with lust, I struggle with whatever it might be. It's been a long time. And you wonder why you're not growing spiritually. You see what I'm saying? Think what would be different in your life. Think what would be different in our church if we would just simply do what we know we're supposed to do, right? Which is to gaze on our Lord, who is the epitome of goodness, and allow him to examine our hearts and then begin to confess to him, here's where I need your help. Here's my sin. Father, change me. You see? And then think about this. Practice goodness. This is so easy, I know, and it's, it's supposed to be. But when you choose Jesus and you constantly immerse yourself in his presence and you constantly examine your heart and begin to confess the sin that stands in the way of your relationship with him, right? Then you'll begin to desire his goodness. You'll desire what's right. You'll desire what's true. You'll desire what's pure. And then you'll begin to practice it. You'll begin to do what's right by God. You'll obey him and you'll honor him and you'll choose holiness instead of unholiness and you'll do right by others. You'll choose to treat each other with the fruit of the spirit. But it all, right, grows out of an understanding that at the core of who you are, you're not good. But Jesus has given you his goodness. And as you immerse yourself in him, he'll begin, and it's like the rest of the fruit of the spirit. It's the fruit of the spirit, not the fruit of you. Every one of these qualities that we've been talking about is dependent upon the spirit doing the work in you. But you've got to cooperate with that work. And for you this morning, for you this morning, come on, listen to me. For you this morning, cooperating with that work means getting honest. Getting honest before God about your own sin. Getting honest before God about where you in your own life are rebelling against him and saying, God, I know this is hindering my walk with you. And I know you've called me to goodness. Forgive me and help me. Help me to live the life that you have for me. It's getting honest. And so this morning, I want to challenge you. As we close our time together and have a time of invitation, I'm going to challenge you to get honest. What is it in your life that is hindering you in your pursuit of the goodness of God? What is hindering you from living out his goodness before others? What's that sin that's keeping you from radiating the goodness of God in your life? Maybe this morning you're here and you have not experienced salvation in Jesus. Jesus wants to do something in your life this morning. If you're watching online or if you're in this room, Jesus wants to do something in your life this morning. He wants to make you good. And this morning, if you'll believe, if you'll believe that he died for you and rose from the dead for you, and if you'll turn from your sins and turn to him, he will make you good before him. And so if you're in this room, there's two crosses in the corners of this room. 
After we pray together, we're going to stand together and sing. And maybe today is the day that you want to give your life to Jesus and experience his goodness. Go to one of these crosses. There'll be somebody there who's ready to pray with you and help you begin a relationship with Jesus. I'll be down front. We'd love to pray with you as well. But as the Spirit of God leads you this morning, you come. You this morning, make that decision to make Jesus the Lord of your life. Make that decision to place your faith in him for the first time. Or in this room this morning, followers of Jesus, make that decision to be honest. To be honest about your sin before God and ask him to cleanse you and to help you to walk in his goodness. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for time together in your word. Thank you for your spirit's work in this room. You're good. Now, thank you because of faith in Jesus Christ. You've made us good. Now, help us as your people to walk in that goodness, to radiate the goodness of God as we choose holiness and righteousness, as we choose to do good before you and do good to others. Help us, Lord. And, and helping us is going to mean for us that we've got to come before you and be honest about what's not good, about sin that hinders us in our pursuit of goodness. So lead us to repentance this morning. And Father, for that person in this room who's never given his life or her life to you, I pray that person will come now and experience the power of faith in Jesus. Now let's get in Jesus' name. Amen. Rise to your feet as we have a time of invitation together. You come now as the Spirit of God leads you this morning.